Petra Cordwright is a Los Angeles-based digital artist known for her elaborate paintings, videography, and digital media. Crafted from massive digital files on Photoshop, her paintings are often composed of physical and digital images, simulated brush strokes, and marks that blend both abstract and figurative elements. Petra has exhibited at the Walker Art Center, Whitechapel Gallery, and the Hammer Museum, in addition to solo exhibitions around the world. Her work is featured in permanent collections at New York's Museum of Modern Art, Miami's Perez Museum, and Moderna Museet in Stockholm, amongst many others. Petra Courtright, welcome to The Creative Process. Thank you for having me. So I'm just reading a little bit about your process. You said that you can do with your digital paintings 50 or 100 paintings a day. I feel like you're going to catch up with Picasso soon. <laughs> but, you know, with this rate of productivity and having all these choices that's available through uh, digital art, is there ever a point where you kind of go blind or how do you refresh your senses? Do you bring another pair of eyes in? Is there an element of chance in terms of choosing the final ones that will become uh, the paintings that you display on walls or in other platforms? Yeah, I mean, that can happen for anyone. You kind of get tunnel vision a little bit. The way and the way that I build my files, I paint in Photoshop and almost every brush stroke you see is on its own separate layer. So it's a painting and there's all these little, it's a, a painting environment, I guess, maybe is a good way to look at it. There's all these little pieces that can be moved around. I actually kind of, I have a bit of a trick for it now. In 2018, I did a project at the new museum in conjunction with rhizome it's called seven on seven and they pair an artist with uh, a person from like the tech world and i got paired with my friend i actually know him i've, I've for years for, uh, just through the internet and we developed this project uh it's a javascript for photoshop just a photoshop script and it actually randomly will go through my layers and of each of the brush strokes and it will turn things on and off um there's a script where it can actually even shuffle the layers randomly like a deck of cards and that that has been like really helpful we kind of just it was a bit tongue-in-cheek when we did it um just because he flew down here and i was sort of showing him whenever i do a studio visit with with people i can really show them the back end of the files and how it looks um but you know many people don't get to see that so but i was like kind of doing it manually and he's like well, we could just do something like this for the project, and but it would just be scripted. And um, that tool has actually become, I mean, really invaluable for just kind of, yeah, finding new paths with within the work that I've already made and within the work I've already done. And um, yeah, I have a funny practice because I'll use a brush stroke that I maybe laid down a decade ago and I'll bring it into a file that I'm working on today. I have every brush stroke that I've ever done I have every piece of everything that I've ever done which is a really wonderful way to work I I don't know I I feel like I get to have it all it's very interesting so you have a very organized mind and we want to get into that and talking about your nfts which sort of look like looking inside your mind and your process but I think that that's uh, wonderful about digital painting because as so many I mean not I guess going back to Picasso or many other traditional painters have noticed that they they lose their Sometimes their best works, they, they go over them too much and you can just kind of preserve that. <laughs> I think I would be heartbroken. Uh, I see my, hu my husband is an oil painter and he 
he gets pretty bummed out when he when he I can tell he doesn't want to sell a painting or something like it's it's hard to let it go but um I don't have to I mean I I love to make these beautiful unique physical works but I do always have the, the back end of it I have the luxury of freedom in this way where I just I feel like I'm not necessarily giving something away that I can't get back or that I can't keep working with it's more it's more of like it's not that I can't get it back I just want to keep working and Sometimes I'll also just look at old files just to see what was successful. Like when you're kind of get writer's block or something, it's the same idea where it's like, okay, well, you've done this before and you can look back and see how it was built. Actually, it's funny that you mentioned Picasso because there's that movie, uh, I think they did it in the 50s, The Mystery of Picasso, where they show, they film him painting on glass and paper and you can kind of see... The image will, he'll start out, it'll start out as a dove and then it'll turn into a woman. And um, that was actually a big inspiration behind the scripts that we developed to get the paintings to to animate my work and see it move. And yeah, I'm always trying to show like my thought process and how things change and evolve. Like I'm, I always want to actually really share that with people because it's a very, it's just such a benefit of the way that I work. I can actually show people how things are built. Yeah, I don't want to leave that subject about the JavaScript because I think that's so interesting. I know that that's not, that's just a, a way of opening up possibilities. It's like surrendering yourself to the music of chance, which I feel mm-hmm. personally, sometimes a little bit stronger than logic. Our mind can be slow, but. Yeah, I like to sort of create environments that are conducive to like happy accidents and things kind of. I try not to look at anything as a problem. I will always find a way to make something work for me. Um, For example, because there's so many layers that I work with, I mean, depending on what computer I'm painting on, um, but even the big, my big tower, my PC tower that I have, like after a couple hundred layers, the file starts to slow down and kind of start getting these beach ball things because you're waiting for uh, the brush strokes to lay down. But there's a certain kind of, brushstroke that can be actually created when it starts beach balling so that I'll sort of I figured that out over the years like okay I can't maybe it's like a little bit hard to see the mark that I'm laying down because it's delayed so I have to do my motions and then maybe like it's delayed by 10 15 20 seconds at least sometimes it depends even a few minutes but yeah, there's certain marks that can be made at that time. So then I just start doing those. So I'm never, it never feels like I'm waiting. I, I'm always just finding a way to make things work. Yeah, I think that that would definitely frustrate you if you're waiting for the paint to dry. <laughs> oh my God. But it's interesting that you have that in your home with your husband being a painter. So you kind of complement each other, I'm sure. Is he sometimes a second pair of eyes for you? I mean, I don't know how close you you might collaborate even editorially. I'm I'm really naughty. I go into his studio and I steal, I take photos of all his canvases and textures and paints. So I'm constantly, he's always kind of like shooing me, like, get out of here. Yeah, I, I, anytime he's doing like a really beautiful underpainting, I'll take a, just a corner of something. And then, I mean, by the time I work with it, it's like unrecognizable. But uh, yeah, I would say that I, I steal all his textures, a lot of like physical. I mean, he has a beautiful, his studio is a classic 
it's like what you think of when you think of an artist studio big skylights huge high ceilings white walls like paint everywhere my studio you know it just looks like a hacker lives in a part of her house or something but in terms of the work no I mean we we have a really different way of talking about art and thinking about it so um he really likes to talk about it I I don't so much so actually like once I once I go in there and take all the textures from him then I then I sort of um go into my own head a lot um which is good it, it would probably frustrate me if you if we were worked too similarly I think it's nice to have some separation yeah I, lo- I love working alone it's actually like I mean I have to do it it's I'll show people later like I'm happy to post any you know I'm that's kind of how I came up with like I would just make something and then post it on the internet while I'm doing it like in the process I don't really like to share it quite yet I, I understand that I was also going to ask you how long you so say you're nurtured by silence and, and being alone and how long you might have gone without seeing other people and and you feel that work is stronger that way well, I used to do these kind of really long painting sessions, maybe like 10, 12 hours, sort of like in front, which is a long time in front of a computer. It's not great, but I can't ever since I had my son, like there's no way I, my time is much more fragmented now. So I had to kind of learn to sort of get things done in a shorter amount of time and like paint more in fragments. That's, that definitely has been a challenge, but it's also, yeah, it's interesting that I can that I can still do it, you know, uh, and it's actually fine. Maybe it's even a little better. It's yeah, it's just forced me to become more focused, more more quickly. A kind of, it's like a good skill to sort of train towards, I guess. I was wondering, uh, you know, with Ultra Angel Wing Absolute, are those because as you speak about your son, are they also there's they're very nurturing, beautiful. Uh, paintings I'm wondering are they kind of paintings about motherhood yeah I mean things like that are always kind of seeping in uh well we have a, I have a garden here I think those are just photos I think those are all flowers from our garden some of them that I grew from seed I go back and forth between using my own images and using internet images I used to use almost completely all images from the internet that's become harder and harder over the years just because the internet has become more and more closed um, and more commercial, sort of censored, commodified. Like everything is just, when you, when you search for something on Google Images, it will just bring up a bunch of Pinterest images. And Pinterest is already a website where people just kind of repost another image. It's not, you can upload your own image, but Primarily, that's not how people use it. They just repost, repost. Things can feel very regurgitated and stale on the internet in a way that like, I've just, I mean, I've been kind of doing this for a while now. So I've seen the changes. And um, if I do want to search for images on the internet, I'll use Bing image search, which will bring up Blogspot. So it's like people's personal blogs and they, they upload their own images. And it just, it's just a little bit more interesting because I do, I do love hunting for those images quite a lot. My work, I mean, back to the motherhood thing, I mean, it just, I think it just goes hand in hand with kind of like, I I feel like I'm a sincere 
person and I like I the work that I make is I, I would yeah I would use the word sincere yeah there's like a simplicity and sincereness to it and yeah probably tenderness I mean those things are also associated with motherhood for sure yeah, it's so. It just seems like a little evolution, or maybe as you speak of, um, you're moving towards um, the difficulty of being able to source images on the internet that aren't just all other repeats of other images. I'm I'm just thinking, and I guess it's been all the news now because of the the Warhol painting that's just sold for was it 190 million. But I'm just thinking at some stage in his career, obviously he was sourcing the photos that were others and then he moved into interview and was doing his own photos and I guess at some point you feel like even as you source an image sometimes in the past it's so wildly different it's not the case of just colorizing someone else's so many layers but I think that just to have that added ownership is nice I mean I I saved so many images and I, I mean I also cut up um, paintings about that other people have done as well I mean, it's kind of out of respect. Like I'm a, I'm a big Cecily Brown fan. I've all, I've cut up a lot of her stuff and make them into mountains or kind of background or underpainting. And they're, they're nested. There's many, yeah, nested in there. I think there's in the angel wing ones, I think there might be some Matisse in there. Sometimes it's more obvious. Sometimes it's not. I would say I give the same weight to like a JPEG of a Matisse painting that I give to like a JPEG of a kitchen or, or a flower or something. Like it's very, everything is just kind of free, yeah, free, free game to use. Yeah, I think it's interesting as well because people are attracted to the puzzle and trying to work it out. It's all originally arranged. And then you may have some images of nature coming through and over this kind of more digital overlay. And, and people like that dissonance. I think that that's what attracts me to your work. And you've also gone in, I don't know how long you've been in the NFT space now, but how did you find that transition or is it kind of a natural thing? I, I really didn't see the NFT thing coming. I, I kind of saw, I mean, for short crypto, I remember when people started, you know, kind of like internet artists were getting into that years ago and that always seemed like it was going to develop into something substantial but um in terms of like the nfts i've just been very surprised and charmed by people all of a sudden caring about digital images because i spent so many years i mean literally trying to figure out a way to print them out and make yeah it just was kind of seen as like a it wasn't as serious as an oil painting or something like this you know i mean I think I tried every single platform that there was, um, that there is to try like, uh, I released a, hundreds of them, which was fun because like my practice can allow that, you know, the, the gallery system is very, I have to hold back so much. And also when you're making physical things too, like the physical paintings are, they're quite expensive to produce. Like we can't, we can't make endless it's labor intensive and it's, it's expensive to make physical things. Um, but with the NFTs, it just was kind of a way to show the range and the scale that is possible with my practice. So, yeah, it seems very democratic. And as you say, you, you like to share how you make things. You like to show your thought process and they, that's really evident in the NFTs. Yeah. It's nice to see them all together when you see the big grid and yeah, just the decision making process behind things like simple compositional things um there's endless decisions to be made really 
but it's yeah it's nice to show it I was very happy to be able to share that and you've recently come back from uh, Saudi Arabia you had a residency there this was done during your residency in Saudi Arabia I, we see a difference in the palette um, you know what other ways were you influenced by your your stay there mm. I mean, I haven't even got into the landscapes that were there because, I mean, this painting, I took this photo really quickly. It was the last day I was there. There was like a really nice lunch that the residency had organized. And um, they just had, I mean, this was just kind of in the, a reception area and it was this base of orange orange blossoms, which um, Saudi, they have these beautiful orange groves everywhere. And then there was like an ashtray that I just kind of quickly, I mean, as an artist, it's terrible. I'm always working. I'm like, okay, I'm going to take this photo really quickly for uh, maybe for a painting later. It feels good for me to make work really quickly, um, just to kind of do something simple. But the land, I mean, I'm sitting on hundreds and hundreds of landscape photos that I took because the landscape there is just one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. It's otherworldly. I mean, you just don't even feel like you're on planet Earth. It's this place called Alula, and there's these rock formations. Then they have the same, uh, it was the um, Nabataean kingdom that also the same civilization that made Petra in Jordan did, um, it's called Hegra in Alula and it's so it's these tombs carved into the rocks and it's like you just get chills when you're there it's it's absolutely stunning so when you are seeing these locations these beautiful landscapes um and even example like this this image that we were looking at what are you looking for in these pieces or necessarily can you speak to like what stands out to you specifically in these types of landscapes, in these types of images, what draws you to them personally? Yeah, I mean, now when I when I am out in the world, I'll be thinking about composition, texture, contrast. I mean, with this face of orange blossoms, I know it's going to be, you know, with a white flower, you just kind of want it against a dark background. It's easier to cut it out quickly. Seeing the pattern of the cushions and the rugs, um, knowing that I can sort of pull some of those lines I am kind of breaking things down in my head when I'm set when I'm setting things up I did see I was watching like a Monet documentary the other day which is funny but uh I, there was some I, this the one thing that stood out to me is they were saying like that he just somehow saw more colors than people because you would look at the paintings close up and there would just be like the reflections in the water. I mean, there'd be like every color in there. It's blue water. But if you look closely, there's red and purple. And like just, I think that's like a way of thinking that I really strive for is to kind of look at something and then maybe reimagine it. You know, I mean, it's a simple thing that our artists are always trying to do, just kind of present your own vision or whatever. But I'm always just take something simple and then add color, more, you know, just something. When you talk about that molecular vision with uh, Monet or the artist in general being able to break things apart into its smallest stroke, I think it really brings us closer to appreciation of the beauty, almost the, if you want to say, the miracle of life. Actually, there's a lot of magic around us if we open our eyes. Yeah, that's something that's really important to me that I 
really want to preserve in my practice is celebrate. I mean, I, I really value mystery, beauty, these things like I, I feel very protective over. So I, I want to sort of seek these things out and just protect them and just look at things really, really look. I mean, a big part of an art, being an artist is you just have to pay attention. You just simply have to pay attention and like really look at something. And so moving on to this work that you've just done, this was in Germany? Yes, these were um, in Berlin uh, last fall. And th this show was loosely inspired by Heaven and Hell. I was really interested in American Western landscapes. There's a bit of anxiety about wildfires uh, nested in these, which are kind of things seeping in. I don't know if I've made them when there was smoke. Every year now in California, there's like ash to like rain down on the house and smoke to be in the air. And like the light gets really, it's actually really beautiful. It's incredibly ominous, um, but the sky will get like orange. But for a painter, it's kind of fun because, um, I mean, I just love painters, you know, thinking about light a lot and color. Certainly, I, I think that that's really interesting with the perspective of the artist in regards to, let's say, a wildfire, something that perhaps people look at as, well, generally people look at as being a wildfire, of course, but that eye of perceptivity of, you know, deep contrast and just these moving colors, certainly hard to ignore. One thing I wanted to ask coming into this was there's often a lot of talk about intention with a work. People like to attach a message to or a purpose to what they're, they're creating. Some people look at it from a standpoint of art for art's sake and looking at just the beauty of, of existence, kind of what both you and Mia were, were speaking about before. What is your take on your work? What perhaps you are trying to evoke in the minds of the audience, however simple, however complex? What do you feel your work does for its viewers? I mean, I'm definitely in the second camp in terms of I'm almost, I'm just like allergic to telling people what to think about the work. I think to pursue mystery and beauty, you can't really, I mean, these things are a bit subjective, so you can't really tell people exactly what it should be about. And also, I mean, I have to preserve these things for myself. Like it, it's also, I, I'm very selfish. Like I primarily make the work for myself. So if I don't have some questions that are unanswered, even for me, then there's not there's not really an interest to like keep going otherwise. So it's also sort of a, a protection and a preservation mindset that I have about leaving things really open for other people, for myself. There's definitely that beauty and mystery. And I agree. I think that almost if you finish every bit that the, there's nothing that the viewer can bring to it then. But these give something. There's a lot of question marks. And I like the wildfires. It's just hinted at, you know, and it's not, uh, it's actually like an oasis or a rebirth uh, to me, anyway, my interpretation. It, it doesn't seem like full of the destruction that I associate with it. So that, yeah, I like to live in that gray area, that realm of these non judgmental, like not saying it's good or bad. I mean, because what's everything in life, there's aspects of both. So it's always, I'm always kind of trying to sort of have that ambiguity involved in the work. And you had said, you've spoken being in, in the art for, for making aesthetic pieces and not being so concerned about 
politics or telling a story about our particular time. Maybe it tells a story about our particular time and that you want to create works of beauty as a counter evidence. <laughs> Maybe that's what it says. Like we have a lot of the other. I, I'm drawn to both personally, but I agree that the work of art has to stand on its own without the explanations. Yeah, I mean, there's just the amount of information that people are taking in now. I mean, I don't want to necessarily contribute to society in, in that way. I think there's a generosity with like allowing people to have a little bit of a escape or a break. And there's also just trends that kind of go through the art world for sure, like identity politics or social issues. But that's just really not me. And it's not what I get out of art or making it. So, And then your, your latest work, which I love. How long have you been working on that series, The Ultra Angel Wing Absolute? I've been doing the flowers, gosh, I don't know, 2016, 2017, I think I started doing more and more. I'd done a lot of landscapes before. I don't know why it didn't occur to me to do still lifes earlier. I mean, now I just, I, I can't do enough of them. Um, it's kind of an endless thing as well, which is a very comforting. And I'm always trying to make the same painting again and again, like I'll set out to just do exactly what I did before, but it's simply not possible. So it just keeps evolving. But that's kind of like the mindset that I go into. I like to work with really low stakes, low pressure, just for fun, just for no reason. And then I'll just kind of trick myself, say, okay, just do exactly what you did before. Then it just starts to go in its own direction. And then there's a new thing. You may be thinking, this is a tad difficult following a conversation on visuals without said visuals. If you'd like an assist, just check out Petra's Ultra Angel Wing Absolute online. It's quite impressive. Then again, who's to say we neglect the power of imagination in the description of art? Perhaps a rough verbal translation can craft an entirely new vision in an unfamiliar mind. Listen and envision. Perhaps my description can paint a picture entirely unique to you born from the imagination of Petra Courtwright's Ultra Angel Wing Absolute. A block of blue amidst a spatter of squiggles streaming along. Flowers that bloom in a reed of orange and black. Stemless green and spurts of yellow accent. Lofting above a multi-level plane that questions its space. A clash of structures composed in a vase Question mark? There's truly too many ways these images can be described. Perhaps I'm not destined to be an art critic or a translator of any sort, but perhaps you've realized your flair for artistic creation and imagined a composition entirely anew. Who knows what happens next? And we should speak about your video work. I know you have been doing more of the painting and the NFTs now. How do you like exploring a feeling through a work of art that expands over a period of time? I mean, those, they're really just self-portraits, like to put it quite simply. And it was just, I, I did those videos throughout my twenties. I think, I think I was 20, 21, something like that. But um, yeah, I mean, I did them for over a decade, moved around a lot. This is when I was kind of like in and out of school. 
but really, I mean, I, I was a terrible bratty student. I dropped out of two art schools, not even one, two. You know, my computer was my studio. That was just kind of all I had. And anytime I would move around, move rooms, um, and I, I just spent so much time that at some point I just started recording myself kind of using the computer, sort of playing around with software. It just was done in this very neutral way. And at the time, kind of was like working a lot of things out about like being, there was somewhat like issues about being a woman on the internet, putting your image on the internet and all the things that come with that. But I was sort of, yeah, just up for exploring what that meant. Yeah, it was also just because I was a young person trying to figure things out. It just felt natural to be making that work at that time. But and also because like I made them when I was very, very alone, like there just wasn't a lot of people around. I was um, I just used to have so many hours and hours by myself. Now I can't I can't really it's not the time to be making that sort of work right now because it just doesn't feel natural. And I just kind of like to work in it in a way where it feels like I just do what I feel, which is very indulgent, but it does really produce the best work. So things aren't forced and like no one wants to look at forced work you want to look at things that feel effortless and nice like for me staying on that with your videos and i also want to talk about future forms of art in terms of computer generated and ai imagery but um you worked with stella mccartney and just the freedom of these videos it's just it just feels very natural it's like how we'd like to inhabit fashion yeah i'd been doing them for a few years and then she bought a video from a the lips auction, I think, and um, then she's like, let's do something. So she would just send me her beautiful clothes and they read so well on camera, like very colorful, very playful. And that's how she is as well, just very effortless and natural and kind of um, there's just no pressure. So it was it was just fun to to do those and kind of have these like a little bit of a prop to work with, um, like using the clothing as a as a tool just to sort of enhance the effects. And as you see, as your work expands and you've drawn on uh, Java, have you looked into the more um, complex uh, AI art or did this leave you cold? Or what does that make you feel? We had discussions when we did the Photoshop scripts. I mean, I really, I struggle with like ge like generative art or and like AI stuff. Um, well, AI right now, it has a very specific look to it. The, the GAN stuff but i mean it's mutanty kind of there's people doing really interesting stuff but it just has like a i mean it's like a bit, a bit disturbing looking in a way that is like uh yeah i i don't know well it depends what you feed it and then with generative art i think in the past on like code-based stuff i like text-based things but like images I think I had a little bit of a pet peeve about like when color palette or something is just not set enough. It just bothers me. Like if things just kind of look like psychedelic really quickly in a way that I'm just like, Ugh. for me, I just kind of like part of the fun of it is making the decision like where to put something or where to or what color to use. I don't really want to like give up the fun of making those decisions just because I, I enjoy it so much. It is it is like solving a bit of a puzzle for me as well. We did a project with VR, like we brought uh, the file into like a VR environment and you can kind of walk through. But yeah, a, I mean, maybe AR style I'm kind of, is kind of interesting, bringing files into that. But the thing about my files, I don't, because I don't make them within that software setting, they're not, like the brush strokes are 3D. 
they did have some 3D capabilities. And I think that in the newest one, they're going to like take it away again. They're so weird with like, they add tools, they take them away. I'm just constantly having to deal with Dolby's BS. <laughs> so in a sense of art, it's, it's amazing what you can compare to past artists working from more traditional mediums to what you are able to perform or what you're able to create these days. It's fascinating. It's the artist of the future in a, a digital sense. With your art, where do you feel you are going with it? Do you have some budding ideas of what might come next or something you want to experiment with? I don't really, I don't ever think about the future. It's funny that you say that I'm like an artist of the future because I don't, I feel on the internet, I feel very old. Um, all these, you know, younger people now, like everyone does everything with a phone. I feel like I'm a grandma that like hobbled over my desktop computers, but not because I just kind of always like do what I want to do. I always work the way I want to work and somehow things keep moving forward. But I, like, I'm not, that's not the motivation. It just kind of happens naturally. I, I, I'm a really weird person because I'm always like, I don't want to go outside my comfort zone. I, I think it's highly overrated. I love to just, I value comfort and like stability so much and just kind of having fun and doing what I want to do. It's like the opposite of what people say. They're always like, push yourself and, you know, go for it. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I think I, where I maybe do excel is kind of like knowing when it's time to sort of do something a little different or like push things forward. It just, it's sort of like a feeling. I think I have like strong instincts for these things. For me, what has been most important, and maybe this is helpful for like younger people to hear something like just kind of showing up and like engaging with things like with the NFTs and like, okay, I'm going to try, I'm just going to try many different types of these, many, many of the different platforms and just kind of like keep making things and keep showing up um, on a consistent basis rather than like thinking about, oh, I need to like push the boundaries or I need to like be a future thinking person. Cause then it's a lot of pressure to, to think in that way. And I've seen artists, when they think in that way, they get too scared and then they stop making things altogether. So that's something that I try to avoid is like creating an environment where I just, I want to keep making work and then it will happen. Well, you have found your bell for mule. And I think that it's important to recognize that because uh, it seems very uh, regenerative and we've enjoyed uh, learning about it. And in closing, again, on, on the future about, you know, what kind of world would you like to live in? Who has inspired you and what are some teachers or life lessons that have been important to you that you'd like uh, young people to know, preserve and remember? I mean, I try to take it from everyday life, to be honest. Like, um, I mean, I'm a big fan. I'm just like trying to live a comfortable, simple, beautiful life. I mean, I think that's what a lot of people around the, when you, you know, when you travel, when you go around the world, that's all people really want is to live a, you know, a decent life. They want to be able to provide for their families. They want to, you know, have options, um, just li kind of live in peace. Yeah, no, I, th I think it's true. I, I believe in the Dada and, and just, you know, taking what's around you and, and what you do, this m mysterious puzzle making that allows us to see many different things in it on the first, second and, and third glance. So thank you, Petra Courtright, for sharing your art, video, imaginative world and perspectives on beauty. Thank you for adding your voice to the creative process. Thank you. It was really lovely conversation.
The Creative Process Podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. This interview was conducted by Mia Funk and Jacob A. Preisler, with the participation of collaborating universities and students. The Associate Interviews Producer and Digital Media Coordinator on this podcast was Jacob A. Preisler. Additional Digital Media Coordinator is Megan Hagenbarth. Wintertime was composed by Nicholas Anadolis and performed by the Athenian Trio. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. If you would like to get involved with our creative community, exhibitions, podcasts, or submit your creative works for review, just drop us a line at team at creativeprocess.info. Thanks for listening.